Welcome to the Sales Management Podcast, your source for actionable sales management strategies and tactics. I'm your host, Corey Bray. No intros, no long ads. Let's go. Today, I'm going to talk about coaching salespeople, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've been doing this since 2007, and along the way, I've trained more than 500 sales managers on how to coach. These are some of the insights that I've picked up. First of all, why coaching? Well, coaching's the activity that has the highest impact inside of an organization. There are lots of things that managers can do. They can go to meetings, they can hire folks, they can train folks, they can coach, they can mentor. Lots of activities that sales managers could do, or they could just bury their heads in a report all day and then come away with some insights. When I think about coaching, I think about the opportunity to get more out of the people, to move them from where they are today to where they should be. There's a good analogy in, from the world of manufacturing. There's this concept of capacity utilization. And it's a, it's a pretty simple concept. It says that a machine or a truck or any type of equipment has the capacity to do a certain amount of output. For example, a machine that makes bolts might be able to make a thousand bolts an hour. Well, if that bolt making machine only makes 20 bolts in an hour, what do you think happens? Sirens go off. People jump on it. They want to understand why. They want to do a root cause analysis and really get to the bottom of what's going on. That's what happens in the manufacturing world. Same things with hospitals. If there's empty beds, how can they figure out how to Get those beds full. They're not going to make people more sick, but they might increase marketing. They might expand the amount of services that they can offer. They're trying to increase their capacity utilization, which obviously directly impacts profitability. Well, when it comes to coaching, that's really the opportunity to increase the capacity utilization of a human being. If you have folks that work for you on your team and they're performing at a certain level, do we understand what their total capacity is? What's their output potential? What could they produce if they were completely optimized? And where are they today? Some of you might have superstars on your teams that are at that, at that peak. That's great. That's awesome. But I imagine there's folks on your team that aren't there. And it might be scary how far from their full potential some people are. When I think about coaching, I think about the ability to increase the capacity utilization of your team. And it's not obvious. You can't look at the number of bolts coming off the line. You can't look at the number of empty hospital beds, but it's something to focus on. And we're going to talk about that today. First of all, why don't people do it? Think about why don't people coach? One obvious reason is that they're not trained. You know, how many of you studied sales management in college or how many of you have been formally trained on how to coach? It's not an obvious thing that we, we went through. I studied business undergrad. I had zero sales classes. I was never trained on how to coach. Learned a lot of things about management. Coaching was not one of them. Yet I'm sitting here saying that coaching is the most important activity that a sales manager can act on. But I don't, you know, prior to getting some professional development in, in my job, I never got formally trained on it. So we, we've got people that aren't equipped with the fundamental skills on how to coach. That's one reason why it doesn't happen. Second of all, folks are nervous. They don't know how to do it. And it can come across as something that could be perceived as micromanagement. We don't want to micromanage. Managers don't want to micromanage. Folks don't want to be micromanaged. And when that does happen, negative things ensue. 
It's a bad situation for everybody, so we avoid it. And if we feel like coaching could be perceived as micromanagement, then we're going to avoid it because we equate them with each other. Well, it's not micromanagement, but if we don't know how to decouple the two, we're going to avoid it. The third option of why people don't do it is that there's not as much immediate gratification when it comes to coaching as there is when it comes to focusing on a deal, for example. If you've got an individual that has a challenge that needs to be coached, it might not be fixed overnight, but there might be things that you can do to move a deal forward immediately. You might even be able to close that deal in the next week. And so instead of focusing on the player, the person, the individual that could be coached, managers focus on the play, the deal. One of the things we always say at Coach CRM is coach the player, not the play. Zoom out. Understand what could happen in the future if we make this individual better, if we increase their capacity utilization. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't close deals. That's not the point here. If there's a deal that needs to be closed, go in and close it. And I talk about super closers a lot. I define a super closer as a manager who jumps in and they try to close a deal for their salesperson or they all hands on deck. The manager joins the meeting, the VP joins the meeting, whoever they join the meeting and they kind of take the deal over to push over the finish line. If you run a marathon with me on your back, did I run a marathon? And how do you feel if someone else tries to do your job for you? Well, I'll tell you, high performers hate it. Folks that are high potential high performers that perceive themselves to be either at the top of their game or someone that could become a, an A player, they don't like it. So they leave. Underperformers, they love it when their boss does their job for them. So what happens in the super closing culture where management is focused on deals, 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 is a lot of times you end up with a super closer manager who jumps in, tries to close the deals. The great people don't like it. And so they're disengaged. They go find a job where they've got more autonomy. The people that don't like it, they say, hey, boss, come do my job for me. Close these deals. And all of a sudden, your team degrades. You end up with a bigger problem that you have in the first place. Let's coach those people. Get more out of them. Zoom out from the deal. We also want to zoom out from the call. I talked to lots of executives around coaching. And the response I get, not always, but sometimes, what do y'all do for coaching? Oh, we listen to calls. Okay. What about the things that don't happen on calls? What about pre-meeting prep, time management, teamwork, product knowledge, industry knowledge, customer knowledge, all of these types of things that have nothing to do with what happens in a call. Zoom out, coach the player, not the play. That's the idea. Now, how do you do this? Over the years, my, my co-founder that I've worked with, Hillman Sori, I worked with this guy since 2014 in various capacities. He used to be my coach. We started a software company together that didn't work, shut that down. Started a consulting firm that's still around, closed lips, doing pretty well. And now we've got Coach CRM. And along the way, we've established a coaching framework. And we wrote about this in our book, The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. If you want a copy, I'll send you a free copy. Email free stuff at coachcrm.com, free stuff at coachcrm.com for a free copy. And the coach framework is pretty simple. Let me, let me walk you through the five components of it. And if you're familiar with our work, you won't be surprised that coach is an acronym, C-O-A-C-H. The C stands for challenge. We want to identify the challenge. Now on our path to identifying the challenge, we recommend that you list all of the challenges that each person on your team has. So let's pick one individual. Let's list all of their challenges. What are all the things that this person struggles with? Now, we only want to coach one thing at a time, but on the journey to picking that one thing, we want to look at the world, zoom out, 
Look at the player. What are all the things that they struggle with? And then for the immediate coaching opportunity, let's pick the one that has the highest impact. One positive side effect of listing them all out is that it enables you to do a root cause analysis. We can look at all of these items and we can understand, huh, is there one thing that if solved can correct many of these challenges we see with this person? For example, if we've got a salesperson on our team that has deals stuck after demo and we look at their demos and we see that they're talking too much, they've got an 80% talk time on demos, which people have. It's ridiculous, but it happens. You've got somebody that doesn't ask good pain-based discovery questions. Maybe they believe that every feature in the product should be shown. They don't consistently set next steps. There's lots of things and we could spend weeks or months coaching each one of these items or we could do a root cause analysis. And I've seen this time and time again with someone who's like what I just described. And what if there's one thing we can change? Well, an option here could be pre-meeting preparation. How do we spend 10 minutes in advance of a meeting and write down what do we need to acutely focus on in the demo based on what we've uncovered during discovery? If we have 10 major features, do we need to show all 10? Probably not. A lot of salespeople go in there, they press play on the demo that they always do. It's like a harbor cruise. I'm gonna show you all the features. And sometimes they even get into admin. Why are you showing admin to an executive? They don't care. They believe that it works. You've got a company, you've got employees, you've got a website, you're around. <laughs> they believe that you can add a new user. You don't need to show them that. Now you can ask them if they need to see it. Maybe the admin does need to see it, that's fine. But the, the idea here is that if, if we've got a number of issues that constantly come up with an individual and we can distill those down to a specific root cause, pre-meeting prep, what discovery questions am I gonna ask? Which features of the, of the product am I going to show? What are my possible outcomes of this meeting? What are my potential next steps? What's the potential resistance or objections I anticipate? What's a customer story or two that I might throw out there? If I know anything about who else they're considering, what types of questions can I ask to better understand their, the competitive positioning and if we're ahead or if we're behind? If I spend 10 or 15 minutes before a meeting thinking through all of those things, as a salesperson, I might be able to knock out a number of the challenges that the manager has identified for me. So listing out all of the challenges, identifying what's the highest impact, and as part of that, doing that root cause analysis, and this goes back to manufacturing. If you're in the facility, you don't just put a Band-Aid on something, you understand the root cause. If your machine keeps breaking down, it might not be the, the lubricants that's in the machine today, it might be the preventative maintenance that you didn't do that was supposed to be done in order for the machine to continue to work. What's the absolute root cause? And then the second piece around challenge is what type of challenge is it? A sub-framework that we've created is called the mastery framework, M-A-S. That's the important piece. Is it a mindset challenge, a skill set challenge, or an activity challenge? If somebody doesn't believe that something's worthwhile or that they should do it, They've got a mindset challenge and you can't change somebody's mindset by telling them what to do. I can't tell you to change your political affiliation, your religious beliefs or anything like that. And I also can't tell you that showing only acute relevant features of the product is important instead of showing the whole thing. I'm going to get you to do it. And when you do it, that'll show you results and it'll impact your mindset. This goes back to the, I'm not going to go deep into this today, but the cognitive behavioral therapy uh, curve continuum where you take an action, you see results. 
that impacts your mindset from which you make a decision to take an action where you see results that impacts your mindset goes round and round and round, which is completely different than a skill set challenge where somebody just either doesn't know how to do something or they don't, or they're not able to do it or do it well or do it well under pressure. And then finally, an activity challenge is doing the work, finding time to do it. Maybe that ties back to time management or something like that. So we've identified the challenge. We've listed them all out. We've picked one and we've figured out, is this a mindset, an activity challenge, or a skill set? We're doing this before the coaching conversation. When you get really good at this, it takes less than a minute. It might take some time the first time. Everything does. The second thing we do before the meeting is we outline the path to success. Another thing that we see experienced sales managers able to do in less than a minute, once they get the hang of it, I'm going to walk you through the details. There's seven steps that we've got for you in order to outline the path to success. The first one is we want to think about the current state, what's going on with the individual. And then the impact of the current state is the second step. So what, who cares? The current state is bad. Why does that matter? Third step is what's the desired state? Where do we need to be? And I can lump those three together. Here's where we're at. Why does that matter? Where do we need to be? Boom. It's not a science project. It's just thinking through that progression and why it matters to move from point A, where we're at today, and point B, which is in the future. Fourth step is what are the potential steps to get to the desired state? Are we going to be able to leap there? Or do we need to do some work in order to move there in the future? And associated with that, point number five, what's the mindset needed to get there? Well, what's the person on our team need to believe? And then when they believe that and they start doing the work, number six, what are the leading indicators of success? How do we know it's working? And then finally, number seven, what's the worst case scenario? If we have status quo, if this persists, what happens? And going back to the example earlier, let's, let's run through this. We've got somebody whose deals are stalling after demo. Well, the current state is that we're not converting deals from demo to close and therefore the person's missing their quota. That's the impact of the current state. The desired state is they hit their quota. Potential steps to the desired state, improve pre-meeting prep. And so we can execute during that demo in order to drive velocity. The mindset needed to achieve success is that it's important to follow our sales methodology around demos in order to get there. Leading indicators of success there might, there might be some, some more detailed leading indicators of success in this specific example where the person's talk time on the demo might be reduced. Maybe they show fewer things. Maybe the percentage of things that they show that's related to pain that's already been uncovered is high. And then we start to see better win rates. And then the worst case scenario is that you've got this individual that continues to underperform and you're wasting good leads by poor sales execution. Okay, so we've prepped for a meeting. We've identified the challenges. We've outlined the path to success. Now we go and have the coaching conversation. First part of the coaching conversation is the action plan. We need to come up with what we're going to do. Now, as part of this action plan, we need the, the individual to understand what the current state is, why that's a problem. That's why we do the outline, right? But we're using the Socratic method. We're asking questions. What happens if you go in to the sales coaching conversation and you tell them what to do? Top down command and control. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. They're going to say yes. You're going to leave the room. Is it going to happen? Maybe. But we've all had those situations where we leave the coaching conversation a week later, nothing's changed. 
because we've dictated to the individual what they need to do. They didn't do it. Alternatively, what we want to do when we're coaching is ask a bunch of questions, just like in sales discovery, get them to self-realize what the problem is, get them to come up with an idea to resolve it. And then we can guide them along the way with questions if their action plan is a little out of bounds. We want an action plan that somebody can actually achieve. You've heard of SMART goals. This, this is where something like that comes in. So we create an action plan. They say, all right, I've understood the problem. I've got a plan to resolve it. Here we go. So that's COA. Then we go to the second C, consequences. Now consequences don't need to be dire. They don't even need to be negative. And look, it's the coach framework, C-O-A-C-H, so we needed a C word. Think of this as impact. What's the impact if that action plan doesn't come to true, come to fruition? So what? Touch on it, a sentence. So your action plan's X, Y, Z. What if that doesn't happen? They say it. Okay, cool. So now they've understood that. They've thought it through. And just like in sales, we want the prospect to verbalize it. They own it more if they do. And that's what we're doing here. And then finally, the H is hold accountable. What specifically has this individual agreed to do to be held accountable? This is where managers get in trouble is they'll take on more work. The point of sales management isn't to do more work. Managers are often way more productive when they're when they can push work down to the individual. So instead of coming out of this, having the manager go hunt for examples of, of the action plan actually being put in place, what if the salesperson, staying on that demo example, what if the salesperson sends two demos? Says, hey, here's what I did. Check out these timestamps. Look at this pre-meeting prep document I put together. How many times are they going to do that? When will they do it by? Submit it to the manager. Boom. You've got a commitment from them to be held accountable. And it's even more powerful when they come up with it. So that's the idea of the coach framework. C and the O, challenge and outline, prepare, action plan, consequences, hold accountable during the meeting. Now that we have the coach framework outline, the question is, when should I coach? There's lots of times you can coach. Coach when you need to. In one-on-ones. Ad hoc. When they ask. A couple ideas here. One is that Make sure the coaching conversation and the pipeline reviews are separate. Because again, zoom out, coach the player, not the play. If we equate coaching to deals or equate coaching to calls, we're going to miss opportunities to build this person up and to truly increase the capacity utilization. So separate it from the pipeline review and don't make it something where you're just talking about a deal. Think about a common trend. Try to identify what that biggest challenge is, what that root cause is, and work on it. And then when they come up with the idea inspect it a little bit. Don't just take it at face value. We call this the self-diagnosing patient. Patient walks in the doctor's office and says, hey, can I have a prescription for whatever? Doctor doesn't just write the prescription. Maybe they're right. WebMD is pretty good, but they're, they're going to ask some questions, the doctor will, to, to truly understand what's going on. And then we can, we can figure out how we're going to approach the coaching, if that's the right topic. A lot of times people come to us and say, hey, I need help with objections. First thing I look at is where are we getting the objections? Let's back it up. Oftentimes the objections come up because we failed to do something the right way earlier on in the process. And this is where teams that have really strong sales methodologies can point to it and identify where did we break down? What did we not do that we should have? Or what did we do that we shouldn't have that's led us to this objection? I've said a couple times today that we should only coach one thing at a time. Well, my thought on this has evolved, let's say. You can coach more than one thing at a time. 
And let's talk about some specific examples of when. If we've got an individual that has a short-term challenge and a long-term challenge, we can coach both of those, those at a time as long as we make forward progress. The minute we stop making progress, we want to dial it back and focus. I've even had folks that I've worked with that coach three or four things at a time. And you can do this if they're all actively being worked on and making progress and not becoming an excuse factory. That's when you want to dial it back. The example where you've got a long-term and a short-term, maybe long-term, you want this person to become a master of the market where they understand the types of companies in the market, how they're structured, how they make money, who works there, the key personas, what they do all day, what their specific pain points are, tie that to customer stories, understand the resistance that can come up. Truly understanding the market in depth takes time. And if there's something else that's more tactical that they need to work on, potentially you know, how they focus demos on acutely uncovered pain, that's something you can fix pretty fast. Whereas that deep dive into industry and market knowledge, that takes a little bit longer. And then when you're done coaching, the key is to move on to the next thing with velocity. Let's just knock them out, knock out the easy ones, knock out the ones with the highest impact. And then you're continually, continuously working through what we call the coaching backlog of the items that can continue to be developed with this individual with the goal of increasing that capacity utilization so you're getting the most out of this individual. Again, if you'd like a free copy of our book or even our online course on how to coach salespeople, shoot me a note, free stuff at coachcrm.com. We're out of time for today. Thanks for listening. The inaugural sales management podcast. If you have a question that you'd like answered, shoot me an email. Use that same email, free stuff at coachcrm.com. I'm Corey Bray, co-founder of Coach CRM. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you on the next podcast.